Welcome to Life Beat, right? The life of Michigan's bi-weekly podcast going in-depth on pro-life news and issues. I'm your host, Chris Gast, RLM's Director of Communication and Education. Happy Friday, everybody. Today we're just going to do a look back on 2016, and I say just, but it was quite a significant year in terms of pro-life issues. Uh, So let's start right off in January. The theme of January is definitely Planned Parenthood. We started off 2016 with Congress for the first time ever passing a bill to defund Planned Parenthood. Of course, President Obama is a huge friend of Planned Parenthood and vetoed that legislation, but it's important, significant, as the first time that's ever happened. And this year, the prospects for defunding Planned Parenthood are significantly higher. Besides uh, the defund bill, Planned Parenthood, uh, the videos, the undercover videos of their organ trafficking schemes were still fresh in people's minds and the effects are still reverberating around the country and of course they still are today with news about our fecal organ trafficking ban passing uh, yesterday. We'll get into that a little bit later. Another significant story from January is Planned Parenthood for the first time ever, as far as I know, waded into the presidential debate, to, uh, res- in the, the presidential race to endorse Hillary Clinton for president. Usually uh, they will wait, uh, especially if there's uh, pro-abortion candidates uh, throughout the primary process until the end. There's no reason for them to get involved. Uh, and in this case, uh, both uh, Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton were both pro-abortion, but they decided to get in there and endorse Hillary Clinton, who back then, if you'll remember, was the inevitable candidate who uh, no one could stop. Uh, 2016 (laughs) happened to Hillary Clinton, definitely. Another significant January story was the March for Life was canceled for many. Uh, Some people braved the weather, a massive, massive snowstorm. Uh, and were able to march in beautiful weather, and then as soon as the march was over, the snowstorm hit. Buses were stranded in Pennsylvania for hours and hours and days. Uh, it was a big mess, and very sad I didn't get to go personally, uh, as, as were many others, I'm sure. Uh, my bus trip was canceled as the buses had the engines going as I was pulling into the park and ride to leave. Um, so hopefully better weather next year. Another big uh, January event, though, was, and we told people, if you can't go to the march, watch our Life Uninvited documentary. We ran, all over the state, a 30-minute documentary that was summing up all of our Compassion Project ads of the previous year. Of course, those ads dealt with the issue of rape and abortion. And so the uh, Life Uninvited documentary followed the story of these four women a little bit more in detail, wove them all together. Um, It was great. Great, well done uh, production by uh, Jim Hanen and uh, others who work on it. And uh, hopefully we'll see that again in the new year. We'll have another opportunity for you to watch it if you missed it. In February, uh, one, of the, one of my more favorite stories of the year, Doritos ran a commercial during the Super Bowl just talking about uh, how great their chips are. And uh, the ad featured a ultrasound of an unborn child reaching for the bag of Doritos. It's kind of a silly little ad. 
Well, uh, someone at the National Abortion Rights Action League, NARAL, uh, maybe one of their social media interns, I'm not sure who, decided that they were going to live-tweet the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, very, uh, almost like a huge curmudgeon complaining about which commercials were good, which ones weren't. And they just lost it that this Doritos commercial was depicting an unborn child on ultrasound, and that became a uh, social media firestorm. Uh, we got a lot of attention about field development, the pro-life side did, uh, so it was a very good Super Bowl day for us. In April, we had our legislative day, and uh, during legislative day, our fetal organ trafficking ban uh, was passed by the Michigan Senate, and of course, again, we'll get to that, uh, just signed into law yesterday. In May, we learned that abortions are down in Michigan, which is very good news. The last two years had seen an increase. Most of the increase, increase we believe, is from better tracking, as uh, abortion clinics that were not doing a good job were either getting their act together because of our new state law that went into effect uh, the previous year, or they were out of business. Uh, their abortionist uh, decided to call it quits. And so... Abortion had had such a nice long-term decline in Michigan the last two years. Uh, they had increased, and then when we got the 2015 numbers there in May, abortions were down again, and hopefully that trend will continue next spring. May brought us a victory at the Supreme Court. Uh, Rights Life of Michigan had sued the Obama administration, uh, among many others, including Little Sisters of the Poor, over their HHS mandate which, of course, requires contraception to be covered as a preventative health service in all insurance plans, but that also included not just uh, drugs that prevent conception, but also drugs that can cause an early abortion. And so Hobby Lobby had earlier sued in 2015, uh, and one, that case only covered closely held corporations and not nonprofits like us or Little Sisters of the Poor. We lost in court, as did many others, but the Little Sisters made it all the way to the Supreme Court, and they prevailed. The Obama administration was uh, supposed to work out an accommodation between them and the Little Sisters. Uh, unfortunately, for the Obama administration, Hillary Clinton lost the election, and so I don't know if we'll need an accommodation, since it can simply be removed by whatever bureaucrat a President-elect Trump puts in there. Um, but it was a win, and uh, importantly, a win for conscience rights, which have been under assault, uh, especially under the Obama administration the last few years. We're about to see a big change there. One more important item for May was uh, passage of our Rape Survivor Child Protection Act. That was sort of the culmination of uh, Life Uninvited, the Compassion Project, and Shauna's story. Shauna was one of those four women and her story was uh, she had been raped, became pregnant, gave birth to her child, kept her child, and then the rapist, uh, while she was trying to prosecute him, filed for child custody as a ploy to get her to drop criminal action, uh, trimmel, uh, excuse me, a criminal case against him. And so our Rape Survivor Child Protection Act, uh, which was Shauna's crusade that she's been going to all these states and federally trying to enact, uh, we did that here in Michigan. It just changes the uh, way for child custody hearings. Uh, the standard used uh, for 
say an accused rapist is the same as that of uh, child abuse. So pretty reasonable change there in order to protect women and their children. In many cases, unfortunately, a woman might feel that an abortion is the only option for her to not be connected to a rapist. Um, so it's very unfortunate that that problem exists, but we hopefully that bill will do something to address that here in Michigan. In June, uh, we had a Supreme Court loss, first one in a long time. Uh, Whole Women's Health versus Hellerstedt, the Texas abortion clinic regulations made their way up to the Supreme Court, and Anthony Kennedy sided with the four pro-abortion justices, striking down Texas abortion clinic regulations. Uh, that was after Anton Scalia had died, but that didn't really matter because it was a five to three majority. And unfortunately, it kind of hamstrings some further things we might do with abortion clinic regulations. Ours in Michigan uh, should be safe. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but we'll see what effect that has going forward in other states and with the new makeup of a Supreme Court as uh, it's likely to be in the next four to eight years. We did have a win in June, however. CAPA, the Abor uh, Course of Abortion Prevention Act, was finally completed in Michigan. A uh, bill to deal with coerced abortions, and we had been working on this since before I started working here in 2008. That's how long it took. We got part of it passed uh, in our pro-life omnibus bill uh, dealing with abortion clinic regulations, but the other half didn't get passed. The important part, uh, half, didn't get passed. And so we finally got that done in June. So in Michigan, coercing a woman to have an abortion uh, is specifically a crime. And there's a screening process at abortion clinics to try to help stop it because we know it's widespread and the abortion industry knows it too, but the abortion industry really doesn't care, doesn't want to do anything about it. So we will. In July, uh, we had uh, some very tragic news. Uh, Cree Irwin died in Kalamazoo. Uh, actually, she died in Battle Creek. Uh, she died following an abortion at the Planned Parenthood in Kalamazoo. And uh, we talked about this in an earlier podcast. The 911 call from from uh, Cree Irwin's mother who discovered her unresponsive. It's probably the most, uh, I don't know, one of the most tragic things I, I'll ever here in my life, and that's something that will stick with me for a very long time. Uh, we did find out, it took a while, we did find out that she had had her abortion at the Kalamazoo Planned Parenthood. Um, nothing new as far as uh, a lawsuit or uh, violations has come from that yet, but uh, one significant thing on a statewide level is... Uh, after the decision in June in Whole Women's Health, uh, Planned Parenthood had openly floated the idea of challenging Michigan's abortion clinic regulations in court. Well, uh, they wouldn't have the best public relations angle on that, considering that a woman died from an abortion at one of their clinics uh, in the middle of them floating this trial balloon about challenging our clinic regulations. So... If they are going to, if they were going to do that, if they're going to do that, um, we're going to make them address that fact. You know, 
you want to change abortion clinic regulations, you think they're too strict, well, a woman died in Kalamazoo. What are all the details on that? Um, we'll be happy to talk about the history of the abortion industry in Michigan, which is long, sorted, and well-detailed by us. Um, so we'll see if they still want to go there, but it's been many months now, and right now they're just focused on saving their federal funding, which, again, we'll get into in a second. In August, we had the primary election. Uh, we had a, a great night for pro-life people. Arlen Pack endorsed candidates, won in 91.7% of their races. And the marquee win was Brian Elder, uh, running for the 96th House race in the Democratic primary. That was the only race that uh, that election where we went head-to-head with Planned Parenthood, and we beat him. Uh, Brian Elder, of course, endorsed by the RLM PAC, uh, his opponent, endorsed by Planned Parenthood, and the race was 47-40 in favor of state representative-elect, now Brian Elder. In September, we celebrated the 40th anniversary of the Hyde Amendment. Hyde Amendment prevents your tax dollars from directly paying for abortions, although they're indirectly uh, used to pay for them through funding for Planned Parenthood. But the Hyde Amendment was very, very critical. Uh, Tens of thousands, maybe millions of lives have been saved by that one piece of legislation. And it was significant this year because Hillary Clinton had promised to repeal Hyde, uh, one of her major campaign promises that she was speaking openly about. And, of course, that didn't end up like she wanted. In October, we got right into the heart of the presidential election, uh, one of the ads that we produced uh, that ran during that time was, uh, it's called War on the Unborn, but it's probably more well-known as Sound of Abortion. Uh, we played on the radio, of course. It was a um, generated from a popular YouTube video by Peter Heck. Basically got permission and took his YouTube video, turned it into a radio ad, and it was simply stunning. Uh, a lot of people will call it the BB ad uh, because of the sound of the BBs used. Uh, we never had a strong response uh, for an ad like we did for uh, War on the Unborn. Uh, simply amazing. People, uh, so a couple people told me that, or uh, told staff here, that they had to stop their car, put it on the side of the road, and they were weeping, or they just were dumbfounded by what they heard in the ad. Of course, you can hear the ad on our website, and I recommend you do that, or you can just go to YouTube and search Sound of Abortion. Uh, one of the uh, other important points in October um, was the third presidential debate. Usually, in a presidential debate, when presidential or vice presidential candidates talk about the issue of abortion, it's in very hushed tones, hushed language very apologetic. Uh, neither side wants to say anything controversial. Um, neither side really cares about making an important point. Uh, rather, it's just avoiding saying something horrible that will be used against them in campaign ads. But uh, in the third presidential debate between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, uh, we didn't see that. We saw the opposite. We got right into the abortion issue and were treated to a front row seat uh, to a major divide in this election and in this country. When Hillary Clinton used to talk about abortion years ago, uh, it was always the mantra of safe, legal, and rare, uh, almost an apologetic 
support for abortion. Uh, she dropped that rhetoric during her presidential campaign. She went full on, it's time to repeal the Hyde Amendment. Uh, she talked openly that no judge would be appointed unless that judge specifically supported abortion in Roe v. Wade. And so we got a really great question about it. The question was uh, specifically about Clinton's support for partial birth abortion. Clinton said that she supports the procedure because of women's health. Now we know that's not uh, there's no legitimate reason to perform a three-day abortion procedure for a health reason. Um, Clinton kind of lied about the issue in, in two ways. Um, and Trump correctly pointed out that uh, Clinton supports abortion up to the ninth month, even the final day of birth. She tried, Clinton tried to say, well, that's not what happened in these cases. Uh, yes, partial birth abortion is an abortion in the process of birth. That's exactly what happens in these cases, Madam Secretary. And that brings us to November. The election, the unthinkable. Uh, I remember, it's, looking back, it's just kind of amazing. Western uh, Michigan University was playing a football game that night, so I was watching that instead of the presidential uh, returns. I was just kind of following it on, on news on my phone, and I was looking at the uh, New York Times prediction model that was saying that uh, Hillary had something like an 80% chance of winning the election. And uh, earlier in the day, we saw the exit polls uh, were kind of surprising and kind of good for Donald Trump. Of course, you don't want to put too much stock in that. Back in 2004, that's why everyone thought Kerry was going to win the presidential election uh, when Bush beat him uh, with a very significant victory. So I didn't want to put too much stock in it, but as the returns uh, from the exit polls and the early returns from states started to come in, uh, it, was, it was fun watching uh, the New York Times election model. The line for Clinton started going way down, and Trump was going way up, and they they met at a certain point, and you're like, wow, Trump is now the favored candidate to win, and it just kept increasing um, in a straight line. Everyone was dumbfounded. There's, uh, I wouldn't call it iconic, but uh, I'll really remember a picture of Nayral's president, uh, Elise Hogue, watching the election returns with just a big frown on her face. Uh, I'd love to <laughs> shake the hand of the reporter that took that photo. Uh, not that we're we're in this to make people who support abortion feel bad, um, but when the leaders of pro-abortion organizations are expressing uh, their emotions in that way, it can only be good uh, for the pro-life movement, but more importantly, good for the million uh, children aborted in the womb every day. And so... Uh, the effects of this election will be felt for an extremely long time to come if everything goes as we hope. And of course, we'll always be closely monitoring that, uh, closely involved. One more piece of good news in November was the CDC report came out showing our national abortion numbers continue to go down as well. Uh, so that's very positive. Abortion down in Michigan abortion down in America. Uh, it came right on the heels of the presidential election, and we went from a situation where Roe v. Wade could have been enshrined uh, or even overturned in favor of a more uh, pro-abortion legal regime for 
you know, 30, 40 years until I was collecting retirement and Social Security. But uh, instead, we see the opposite. And uh, we started the year in, in January uh, trying to defund Planned Parenthood. Uh, didn't work. Uh, this January might be a really, really different situation. Uh, we started January with the Planned Parenthood videos uh, being stymied by a Justice Department that was firmly in the hands of pro-abortion officials. And instead, uh, big news of December was passing our fetal organ trafficking ban in Michigan, which will prevent any compensation from exchanging hands uh, when we're dealing with fetal tissue and organs. So there's no way an abortion clinic or a middleman can engage in selling the baby, uh, the body parts of broken babies following abortions. And uh, you know, in January we started with. Hillary Clinton being the inevitable candidate, uh, the champion of Planned Parenthood, uh, has now lost a stunning election, and Planned Parenthood, uh, again, you know, uh, there was an article the other, just a couple days ago, uh, basically it was uh, Planned Parenthood's legislative leaders begging Trump not to defund them because trying to say that some of his supporters will be really, really mad about it. And so they're kind of reduced to begging at this point, uh, which is an encouraging sign. So I think all in all, uh, sort of the thing to say is 2016 has been a horrible year. Uh, in many ways, you know, it, it's been very rough. It was a rough election, uh, a lot of uh, bad news. Uh, but that's always the case. In terms of pro-life issues, you know, that Supreme Court case in Holman's Health versus Hellerstedt, uh, has the potential to be very bad, but when you look at the election, uh, all of our legislative accomplishments, most importantly the abortion numbers going down, I think as a from a pro-life perspective you have to say that 2016 uh, could be a very pivotal year. Uh, if the Supreme Court shakes out like we hope it will in the next few years, we might be you know celebrating in one of these year retrospectives talking about, hey, we overturned Roe v. Wade this year. Can you believe it? Um, and that might be very soon, uh, hopefully. So uh, as we look, 2017, right off the bat, I'm already preparing for the March for Life. I got my I got my ticket punched. I'm ready to go. Hopefully no snowstorm will keep me from going down to D.C. this year, as well as the hundreds of thousands of others who want to make it. Hopefully by the time we get to the March for Life, it'll be a, a week after the Trump inauguration, and uh, hopefully we'll already have some pro-life victories uh, to talk about. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Uh, please join us again in 2017, on uh, two weeks, and our feature will be Planned Parenthood, talking a little bit more about their funding, uh, how it works, uh, what it's going to. So have a wonderful weekend, have a safe New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Um, please enjoy the rest of your 2016.